about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. Matt, good morning to you. How are you? Making the magic happen on the other side of the glass, as always. Morning, Zach. It's a good day. Absolutely. It's uh, it's Wednesday Eve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's these points in the week that matter, Matt. It's uh, Tuesday, which is which is Wednesday Eve, but always good uh, to be with you. Thanks for all that you do. Uh, full show today. I want to jump right in because time is ticking and the topics are many here in just a second. Matt Salmon will be with us. He's a Republican running in the Republican primary for governor of the beautiful state of Arizona. We'll catch up with Matt here for the first time on the uh, on this side of 2022. Dre Thompson will be with us at the bottom of the hour. She is the new and first ever, believe it or not, CEO of the Tucson Industrial Development Authority. So we'll talk economic development and housing, which is actually two topics we're going to talk with uh, Matt Salmon about. So that's our show today, 520-790-2040. It's the number that Matt Salmon used to call in this morning from wherever he is, whatever he's doing around the state of Arizona. Matt Salmon, good morning. Thanks for being with us. It's a great day. Thanks a lot, Zach. It is. So uh, I want to start out with this. Uh, Give me your view of the state of the uh, Republican primary, particularly the state of the race. New independent polling from OH Predictive Insights released uh, late January show that you um, are catching up uh, on the lead that uh, front runner Carrie Lake um, has had, still has, but the poll has the race at Carrie Lake at 21%, uh, and you, Matt Salmon, at 17%. Uh, many are expecting Karen Taylor Robeson to also make a surge um, as Carrie Lake seems to be flagging, but uh, you're you're in you're in the the, the second place there to uh, theoretically catch uh, whatever is lost on the Carrie Lake campaign, Matt Salmon. Why the why the surge recently? What do you chalk that up to? And and uh, what's your view of the state of the race this morning? Well, I think there's several things that uh, are reasons for her numbers dropping, actually, and mine increasing. I think that for one thing, there's nobody working harder than me across the state to build coalitions and a grassroots army of folks supporting my campaign. I've been all over the state so many times I've stopped counting. I've uh, been to Tucson probably at least 10 times in the last six months, and I'll be uh, there again this afternoon. Uh, and I, I, I just, uh, you know, my oldest son was born at TMC. My first job out of college was in Tucson, so I have a special love uh, for Pima County. Um, but I think that the other thing is that the more and more people – start listening to debates we had two last week uh they're realizing that i have the background and the ability uh to lead this state and uh other candidates just don't have that record um you know i have 30 years in the private sector and uh, 10 years as a u.s congressman four years as state senator and i think that that combination of actually managing companies and and uh serving in the public arena which has given a record of, of how I vote, how I'll do. I think that's really important to people. And I think that um, people really want a competent leader to run the state that, that can actually enact the things they're talking about and has a record of doing that. And I'm the only person in the race that's got that. So I, I think that that's uh, one of the things that's really been helping us a lot. We're with Matt Salmon this morning. Uh, Matt, I want to ask you about a topic that... Um, has certainly taken up a lot of the 
<clears throat> excuse me, air in the room. We'll talk about it in our second segment. Thanks for being with us through the bottom of the hour, by the way, Matt Salmon, about a topic that uh, should be getting more air. Um, but you know how it goes. You've been there. Uh, you've done this, uh, Matt. And that is uh, issues uh, around uh, elections and uh, voting and the phrase election integrity has been um, has been used. I wanted to ask you about something uh, that uh, a certain bill that's gotten some national attention beyond the usual statewide. Arizona House Rep. John Fillmore forwarded a bill maybe a couple weeks ago that would have eliminated early voting, mandated all ballots be counted by hand, had a provision that would have allowed the Arizona legislature to accept or reject the election results, and uh, given a single elector the power to demand a new election be held. And uh, conservative speaker uh, Rusty Bowers, who supported uh, President Trump in 2020, uh, basically assigned the bill to not one but 12 committees, um, which is a, a fairly brutal <laughs> legislative death, Matt Salmon, saying, we gave the authority to the people. I'm not going to go back and kick them in the teeth. Uh, that's gotten a lot of uh, national news as well as statewide news. Do you support Speaker Bauer's move on that? Was he right to take that off the table, uh, Matt Salmon? I think something that so dramatically changes the way our elections are handled and puts all this power into the hands of the state legislature and takes it out of the hands of the voters, um, it's very concerning to me. Um, and I think that Rusty Bowers uh, probably did the right thing on this. Um, look, we do need more election integrity. Um, I think that the goal should be to not make elections more difficult, just more difficult to cheat. Uh, and, and I think that the idea, uh, that the strongest idea going forward for election integrity that I've seen is to require voter ID for any ballot cast in the state of Arizona, and that's something I strongly support. Uh, right now, 92% of the vote by mail in the state uh, does not require any kind of voter ID, and I think that's a mistake. I think that we ought, it, it's fair. You know, if you want to go get a beer at the bar, you have to show an ID. If you want to uh, get through the airport, you have to show an ID. You even want to check out a library book, you got to show an ID. So I think that's fair and reasonable that people have to prove uh, that, uh, number one, they're an American citizen and they, they are who they say they are. Matt Salmon is with us. He's a Republican running for uh, governor of our beautiful state of Arizona. Matt, one last follow-up on this question, and I don't know about you, but I'm more than ready to move on. But one, one other question. Uh, a fellow Republican is in the governor's seat right now. Governor Doug Ducey is terming out. He's the first Republican. He's the first Democrat. He's the first any living human being uh, to do <laughs> two full terms since I believe the 70s in that seat here in Arizona. Um, I remember back in uh, after the primary Matt Salmon in 2020, after the August presidential primary, uh, Governor Ducey was with President Trump, and uh, and President Trump uh, kind of went after absentee and mail-in and early voting, and uh, and Governor Ducey said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait a second. We've been doing this thing for 30 years. We're pretty darn good at in Arizona. Uh, 2018, the voters using vote by mail was at 79 percent." You know, we aren't new with this. Our legislature wasn't shifting, you know, policy for COVID in the in the months before the election. We're good at this. Governor Ducey defended uh, our vote by mail and our early voting process that we've been doing for 30 years in this state. 
he seems to be less bothered as a fellow Republican uh, than some legislators in the House and some of the candidates running for governor. Is he missing something, uh, Matt Salmon? Is there something that he should be worried about? Look, I I believe that the most important obligation that we have as public servants is to make sure that we represent the people, the people's voice. We, we are a constitutional republic, and that means that we elect representatives to go and speak for us. And when the people don't speak, or when our representatives don't speak for the people, that's a problem. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Governor Ducey is trying to do everything he can to reflect the will of the people in his state. I'm not going to fault him for that, but I will say this. There are a lot of folks out there, a lot, uh, in the state of Arizona that believe that their vote didn't count. A lot of people that believe that with some of the voting irregularities uh, that we've seen in the past, uh, that uh, that maybe our elections aren't as uh, uh, integrous as we need them to be. And so I think we have a duty as uh, public servants to do everything that we can to make sure that, that that vote is considered a sacred trust and that we are doing everything we can to make sure that the elections have as, as much integrity as we can possibly inject into them. Uh, I put out a voter bill of rights with uh, 10 points, and one of them was what I just mentioned, that uh, if you don't have ID, uh, you uh, and, and that is one of the things missing from our uh, mail-in votes. There is no ID required, and I'm going to say it again. We need to require it for all votes cast in the state of Arizona. The other thing is that we've banned ballot harvesting, and the Supreme Court uh, even uplift, uh, upheld that ban uh, just within the last few months. But the penalties for uh, that kind of shenanigan uh, of uh, harvesting ballots, that the penalties are really not that big, and I think we need to increase those penalties. Also, um, I'd like to see a law passed that says in the last 65 days before the election, nobody can parachute in and change the terms of the election. Last time in the name of COVID, a judge came in and extended the voter registration deadlines, also mandated that voter uh, poll watchers couldn't get too close to the ballots because of COVID. That's nonsense. And, And we need to make sure that our elections have as much integrity as we can possibly have. And I think that's something the voters demand and expect. And that's not a partisan issue. That's something we all ought to care about. Matt Salmon is with us this morning, a Republican candidate for governor here for the state of Arizona. Uh, Matt, there was a question the the, the, uh, media up in the Phoenix market asked Governor Ducey last week that caught my ear. And then Democratic candidate for governor Katie Hobbs tweeted about it earlier this week. I want to get your thoughts uh, on that when we come back. And I'll tell you what that is on the other side, just to keep our listeners hanging on. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point, AM 1030, KVOI, The Voice, part two of our conversation with Matt Salmon when we return. Tucson Station for local news and talk. 1030 The Voice. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, 
You can go see it in the Castor family wing of Latin American art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. This is Kate Delaney. Tune in later tonight as we talk about everything that happened throughout your day. Tonight at 10 on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. We're live out of the Common Workspace studios this morning for Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. I'm your host. Zach Yenser, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. We're wrapping up our conversation with Matt Salmon this morning. He's a Republican running for governor of the state of Arizona. Governor Doug Ducey is wrapping up his second term. Termed out, there will be a new face uh, on the ninth floor here in Arizona uh, by the end of the year. Uh, uh, Matt, I want to jump right in. Governor Ducey was asked last week uh, by the Phoenix media, and it really caught my ear. Uh, they said, uh, we are seeing booming economic growth. Uh, and I've said on this show, Matt, that I think Governor Ducey was transformative uh, for Arizona's yeah. economy. Um, but they said, Governor Ducey, we're worried that there's this one thing that might pull us backwards and keep us from growing. And they said, uh, it's housing. 
in the state of Arizona. We are 270,000 workforce housing units short in the state. That's not affordable. That's not market rate. That's housing for firefighters, police officers, nurses, and teachers. Um, we have a housing uh, crisis in the state, uh, Matt Sam and Katie Hobbs. Uh, tweeted about it uh, uh, yesterday, in fact, as well. I think it's going to be a main uh, item of this election as we head towards the end of the year. Your thoughts, Matt Salmon, how do we how do we fix the housing crisis that Arizona is in right now? I got a few ideas, a few thoughts, um, but I would love to hear from more and more of the listeners out there. You know, it, 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 thank God we live in a society where we're a representative-driven government and that we actually... Uh, represent the people because some of the best ideas I've ever gotten uh, come from meeting with just you know regular folks out there that are trying to you know, pay their bills and send their kids to college and and work out a living and so I, I I do put that out there I'd love to hear thoughts and ideas from different people but that having been said um, it's clear that right now there aren't enough housing opportunities in the state of Arizona. That's why it's a supply and demand thing. And when the supply is down, the demand goes up. And when the demand goes up, prices go way up. And I've heard stories of people putting their homes up for sale. And uh, within three days, there's a bidding war uh, over and above the asking price. Uh, And I've heard that time and time again. Same thing, you know, about uh, trying to get an apartment, rent an apartment. Um, you know, an apartment becomes available and, and uh, they're able to just command top dollar for everything. And it's frustrating. You look at the inflation that's gone on in other areas in this country. Uh, we're we're uh, right now encountering record inflation on everything from gasoline uh, to food, uh, you know, on the shelves in the grocery stores. And th- there are different reasons for those uh, inflation uh, inflationary tactics. A lot of folks are blaming it just on supply chain issues, but that's not it alone. One of the reasons that inflation is going up so much is because Washington continues to overspend its budget, uh, and we're increasing the national debt. It's at $30 trillion. And so what happens when we try to repay that debt? You've got the uh, the Federal Reserve that's using a term called quantitative easing, and basically that's printing more money. And any economist will tell you when you do that, you engage in inflation and sometimes hyperinflation. And so that's got to happen. We've got to demand of our leaders, stop spending money that we don't have. Uh, and, and that's in- incredibly important. But at, here at the state level, um, wh- one of the things that we have a blessing on is that we have about 9 million plus acres of state trust land uh, that was given to us when we became a state. And, and some of that land's been disposed of. But I think we need to take a really serious look at uh, responsibly uh, administering that land and release some of that land uh, so that uh, we can build houses on that land. Because, again, it's a, it's a supply, uh, supply and demand issue. Uh, but also, you know, we've, we've got to do everything that we can to bring in the best paying jobs to the state that will supplant and help, you know, all of these other uh, occupations. Um, because, like, you know, in North Dakota, when they were fracking uh, and they were going gangbusters on uh, developing oil and gas uh, and extracting it from the ground and, and getting it out for sale, they were paying signing bonuses for people at McDonald's. Uh, and, and, and I think that that kind of a rising tide lifts all boats. And so our economic development plans in the state have got to stop just focusing on Maricopa County. 
that's the big criticism I hear as I go all over the yeah. state is that you focus all of your attention on Maricopa County and the uh, Arizona Commerce Authority focuses almost all of its attention getting those jobs here. We've got to move it to different zip codes all across the state so that not everybody's moving to the same locations. We've got to spread it around, spread the wealth around, and also uh, you know, spread the, the population growth around uh, so it's not just all Maricopa County-centric. So those are some of my thoughts. Um, unlike Katie Hobbs, I'm, I'm not for uh, government, uh, big government solutions uh, on, like, uh, you know, rent controls and things like that. Um, I, I just don't believe that when the government comes in and tries to, uh, you know, enact policies that, that uh, hurt the private sector, uh, they end up usually hurting the people that they're trying to help, too. I, I just really do believe that the solutions we've got to come up with uh, need to be free market solutions. We're with Matt Salmon. And, Matt, I agree on the income. It's fascinating to me. There was a study uh, done within the last few months that showed in 2021 the only essential worker, nurses, firefighters, police officers, et cetera, that could afford to buy a home in the Phoenix area was a nurse, Matt, making $83,000 a year. Yeah. He or she could yeah. only afford to buy a home in Avondale, Glendale, or Phoenix. Matt, we have a problem. <laughs> we have a problem. We, um, no, real fast, I wanted... We, we, go ahead. Sorry, Matt. We do. And, and it's something I'm going to be focusing on like a laser beam. We also have a problem, uh, Zach, and I know you didn't bring it up, but um, when I talk to the employers across the state, they're all saying that they have a problem hiring employees, right. too. Right. They can't get enough employees. And so that's another issue that we've really got to focus on, uh, because in Arizona, you know, we do have some wonderful things that are going on. But I'll tell you something else, Zach. You know that our per capita income, when compared to some of our neighbor states, is far lower. Um, and, and, and that needs to improve. Part of yeah. the problem is, you know, our, our state leaders signed into this, uh, uh, this idea called Achieve 60, which basically says that by 2035, 60% of our high school graduates will either be in college and a four-year degree, a community college, or uh, in a uh, trade school, uh, something beyond college. We're not even close. We're not doing a very good job uh, getting kids out of our K-12 system that are ready no. to compete in the world. We've got to double down in K-12, too, on vocational education. A lot of those kids, in fact, I don't know if you're familiar with the CTEDs. You, you have a really good one there in Pima County. We have couple here in Maricopa, and they teach vocational education. They have over, uh, at EBIT, the East Valley Institute of Technology, they have over 40 certificate programs so kids can graduate with a welding certificate or plumber mm -hmm. or electrician, and they can go on and get a $65,000 year job right yep. out of high school. So let's stop just teaching kids to go to college and let's get back to the basics. Matt Salmon, Republican candidate for governor of Arizona. As always, thanks for your time. Appreciate being with you this morning, and let's do it again soon. Thanks, Zach. I really had a great time. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. When we come back, Dre Thompson, CEO of the Tucson Industrial Development Authority. We'll talk housing and economic development some more. Don't go anywhere. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. 
Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser family wing of Latin American art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Life isn't about money, but how you handle money impacts everything. The Ramsey Show, today at 1 on 1030 The Voice. And good morning, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI The Voice. I'm your host, Zach Yenster, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. We just said goodbye to Matt Salmon, Republican running in the Republican primary uh, to be the next governor of this state. There will be a new face on the ninth floor. Someone's going to get it. We're interviewing all of the candidates, D or R or otherwise, who want to be on the show. We're having conversations about the issues that matter to Arizonans. And accidentally, uh, we left off talking about housing affordability. Not affordable housing, but housing affordability um, in the state. And it's actually a great segue to our uh, second and final conversation of the hour with Dre Thompson, the new and first CEO of the Tucson Industrial Development Authority. Dre, good to see you. Oh, it's great to see you, Zach. I'm super excited. I was just saying before this segment, I think you're going to learn a lot of things. I am. If all of your listeners, if you were driving along and you just heard the name Tucson Industrial Development Authority and your eyes kind of glassed over, just, just hang in with me. You're By the end of this segment, everyone will be convinced this is the most fascinating <laughs> quasi-governmental institute they have never heard about. And so I'm excited to kind of share that with you. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I, I would love to take our first segment and just kind of set the table, as they say, on what is it, because I've heard of it. Um, and I've obviously done a little bit of research before this, but I don't really know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. What I do know is that uh, it's been around since the 70s. And it has been an all-volunteer board run, and the board has been appointed by whoever the mayor was um, at the time since the 1970s. I didn't know that you were not only the first CEO, but the first staff member, period. Uh, Dre Thompson, you've been a part of Startup Tucson for a number of years in this community. This is a startup. Oh, yes. You're this in is startup my, land. This is my 60-year-old <laughs> startup right here. It's, it's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, so... 
there, I kind of want to share with you the brand new vision. There's a brand new vo board that is stellar and has really has exciting plans for what to do with this. But I do think that your listeners, probably very educated, very involved in Tucson, um, have many of them probably have never heard of it either. So I kind of just want to give some like yeah. typical FAQs that yep. I get. Okay, what the heck is it? Yep. Tucson Industrial Development Authority. Um, and so it's essentially a community development finance institute and every single city, county, state in the whole country has one of these. In Tucson, they're called IDAs, but that could be anywhere. And actually in the state of Arizona, there's 55 IDAs. So there's Maricopa IDA, there's, there's actually an Arizona IDA, there's wow. a Pima IDA, tons of IDAs. Um, and so this is actually a, a very uh, important financial instrument that governments use to to build infrastructure, to do long-term planning, um, and create access to capital. At the at the international level, probably everyone's heard of the World Bank or IFI. These are very similar, but at their, they're kind of at the very local level. So that's the first. Okay, what it is. Uh, the second FAQ, it's a quasi-governmental political subdivision of the state of Arizona, um, and it is just like you said, the mayor appoints the board, um, but it is a nonprofit organization. So so all of the profits are reinvested into into the organization. So it's very connected with the with the political sphere, but it is separate and independent, and that becomes very important later. Yep. Um, the the second piece that people do get confused about is where the funds are coming from. Mm -hmm. um, as a financial institution, where the funds are coming from, um, all of the funds are self generated. Hmm. So all of the money that we have in our fund is is created through our financial programs, which we can get into later. Um, but they are actually public funds. So this is can be used by many communities to build community wealth. All of the wealth that we generate goes right back to Tucson. So it can be a, an important driver of of funding that is not tax based or not federal based. So it's kind of a it, that's a unique aspect of it. Um, and then the the most important point is that it's extremely mission-based. We're not a traditional bank. We're not here to replace traditional banks. Um, but we have a very broad and expansive mission, which is improving the quality of life of Tucsonans, um, you know, and, and a thriving e economic development and using access to capital, creating access to capital. But it's very broad. There's We're pretty much here to tackle any problem that a community is facing. So those are kind of like the FAQs aspect, but I think it starts to get really interesting when you look at, you mentioned the 1960s, 70s, the why of it is where it gets really fascinating yeah. and it's gonna start to kind of tell you a little bit more about Tucson and why we're kind of where we're at with our multiple of challenges. Yes. The uh, uh, I want to segue right there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to talk very much here, but I, when I looked at the website, it seemed there was a focus on housing and economic development. I'd love to dive into those, certainly in the second segment. But go to that history. Yeah. Tell us, give us the story of, 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 of how we got here. I think a lot of our listeners who love and are passionate about Tucson are sit in their seats and listen and go, you know, why are 83% of our neighborhoods in family mm -hmm. condition? Mm -hmm. Why don't we have housing that's mm -hmm. affordable? Why are we a low-wage town? Why do we get always passed over for economic development projects? Why are so many of the themes the way they are? Yeah, yeah, have, and when insight? you start to peel back the onion, yeah. you're going to realize you're, it's it's really interesting. So, okay. 1960s and 70s, there was a giant backlash across the country about uh, large federal governments doing these big development projects. People were really right. suffering from deindustrialization, and there was just a push to do, okay, 
development has to be hyper, hyper, hyper local. We really want the community to be engaged in developing and shaping uh, where where we want to go and how we're going to rebuild in this kind of new industrial space. We have to be very flexible. Access to capital has always been a historical part of the America. You know, Benjamin Franklin, small business loans, the Freeman Bank. Yep. There's this idea that capital is also really efficient um, and effective when it can be hyper local. Okay. But Anyone who knows about hyper-local development knows there are very predictable problems that happen when you start doing hyper-local development. Okay, number one, inequality and displacement. The the some a, a lot of factors of development um, don't naturally put put capital in communities that have been um, traditionally segregated or you know so that so inequality is a problem. But the major one that you see and is very evident in Tucson is gridlock, right? So you have all, gridlock is just a very predictable factor of, of local development because you have community groups, you have political actors, you have developers, you have the business community, and all of them are kind of tussling and have different visions. Um, and there is no real way of getting them to work together. Um, you know, you might have a leader pop up that can do that. Is that a problem I hadn't noticed before? Oh, you haven't? Oh, oh, just me, just me, no. No, so, that, so that's a very predictable issue that happens. Um, and the other problem about all these groups is they're working on different timelines. You know, yeah. maybe how yeah. homeowners are thinking about five, 10 years where their kids are growing up. Developers are thinking about how their assets are going to develop over 20 years. You know, political actors skeptically thinking about the next election, right? So the IDA is actually supposed to be this hub of getting all of these to work together hmm. and to communicate and align their goals and actually get projects done. And we're supposed to be sort of the guardian of long-term planning, not what's what do Tucsonans need in the next 10 years? What do Tucsonans need in 100 really? years? And how can we start to develop that? Yes. So the level which you see a community feels... Um, in gridlock, yeah. the level to which you see communities feeling like their development is sort of haphazard and yep. not really long-term thinking, Check. Um, the the level to which you are seeing uh, a lot of empty buildings Check. and then big projects that are really great just kind of dying on the vine, Check. that is really an indication that their IDA is not operating to their full success. So in the 60s, 70s, the IDA was created to do those things mm-hmm. all across for the all country. the reason that you mm-hmm. mentioned was to mm-hmm. basically localize these efforts. Mm-hmm. And IDAs that are successful are tackling those subjects. Yeah. This current board and the current president and uh, uh, wanted to basically say, we're going to lean in and make this IDA do what it was designed to do. We're coming to Dre. That's what happened. That's what it is. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what got me really fascinated in this. I obviously love Startup Tucson. Anyone knows me, they're like, Dre loves Startup Tucson. But but this opportunity, I was just seeing going down that same checklist as you and say, something's missing in our community. We shouldn't be having right. so much difficulty. There's great projects that are just not happening. Right. Uh, you have really active community members who are trying to get the trying to get to work to with developers with developers. Obviously the whole Fourth Avenue Street um, coalition. I mean there's there's all the pieces are there, but something was really missing. Mm. Um, and so I started kind of tucking in, okay, well, let's follow the money. Let's follow the finance. Like, how are other communities getting these amazing amenities for their communities? And as you started to pull back, there's this 
this missing link. And those are the IDAs, or they're called PB, PBAs in other communities. But in Arizona, that is supposed to be the function of this quasi-governmental nonprofit. We're supposed to be listening to the needs of the community, listening to the needs of the developers, of the business community, um, and political actors, and using financial instruments to, to make these projects happen. Um, and really get past that gridlock. And so it really makes sense when you think about it that this really, really critical agency within Tucson um, was run by you know, a, non, uh, a volunteer board. And anyone who's worked on a volunteer board knows, you know, you could accomplish great things, but it really mm-hmm. depends on who's on it and, you know, the bandwidth that they have. And, and so it was really, we were missing this integral part of yeah. how cities work and get amazing, audacious, cool mm-hmm. projects done. Right. And it was fascinating to me, too, um, uh, as we kind of wrap up this setting the table, you know, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I was uh, in my research, I found an article written in 2003 about the IDA and uh, one of the guys who was on it and involved with it was a former city council member. And on one hand, you want that skill and knowledge. On the other hand, you don't want that skill and knowledge that, that there needs to be, um, I think, the right people at the helm to kind of be that glue and to break through you know, if there are mindsets and approaches that are no longer working that have gotten us to where we are but mm-hmm. won't get us to the future, we need to kind of break through. I think they found the right person to break through, to be honest. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really important ideas are neutral party because they, yep. the community and the developers need to feel that they're their perspective is being listened to and the business community Mm -hmm. perspective and the political vision that our you know our elected Mm -hmm. officials have all of those need to feel that they're Mm -hmm. listened to that they're taken seriously and then you have to have a really creative team in the Mm -hmm. middle saying okay how are we going to build really powerful compromises that gets you what you want gets you what you need and gets tucson the long-term investment and in industrial kind of infrastructure that we need for the long term i love it so table is set. We're with Dre Thompson, the uh, the first president and CEO, and the only uh, hired staff member uh, in 60, 70 years of uh, the Tucson IDA. You just stepped into that position the last number of weeks. Uh, when we come back, I'd love to hear your vision of what are the topics and projects that you'd like to tackle. And uh, maybe we can talk about why we have gridlock on those certain Mm -hmm. areas. I would love to talk about economic development. I'd love to talk about housing. We'll see what we get to. This won't be our last conversation. But part two of today's conversation returns on the other side of a quick break here. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. Don't go anywhere. Trusted local news and talk all day, every day. 1030 The Voice. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. 
In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Impact of Southern Arizona serves 52 zip codes in Pima and Pinal counties and reinvests $2.5 million a year into the community. Join us for our Impact Expo on Tuesday, March 2nd, at the Tucson Chinese Cultural Center, where we'll be bringing a national speaker along with local partners and the community together to talk about how we can help people move from just getting by in a getting-ahead world to improving their life in our region. Go to impactsoaz.org for more information and to support Impact of Southern Arizona in improving lives and inspiring futures. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, and the sustainable strength system is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to sustainablestrengthsystem.com. This is Bill Buckmaster, our new series, Superstars of Science. Today, during the noon hour, on 1030, Tucson's voice for trusted news talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last October, a few doors down from the Rialto Theater, serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media for their most updated hours, and those hours are changing as they grow at Little Love Burger. And here's the addition. Uh, Matt Neely calls it the Yenser Rogers rate, uh, and that is if you go and mention that you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser, they'll give you 15, 1-5% off your next meal. So you get to go support a great local business, great local business people, and you get 15% off your next meal, and the food is pretty darn good. So that's a little love burger a few doors down from the Rialto Theater. We're with Dre Thompson in studio, the new and first CEO of the Tucson Industrial Development Authority. Uh, and Dre, I'd love to spend the time that we have together. We, we, we described the history and the what of the Tucson IDA. Tell us a little bit about what the IDA has been up to and they've done good work in this community. And then where do you want to take it? What are the issues you want to work on uh, bringing people together in Tucson for, for impact? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I did kind of want to share, there's 
because it operates a little bit under the radar, people might not be aware of kind of everything that they've been up to. They've really been focusing on, um, you know, affordable housing is a big aspect, a lot of infrastructure. So over the over the years, they've invested 700 million in bond finance for affordable housing, community development, participated in projects like the Fox Theater, uh, building Cope Centers, building El Rio. Um, they have, uh, 400 million has been dedicated just for affordable housing and single-family homes, uh, $140 million in actually multifamily and assisted living. So there's a lot of built stuff that they have been contributing in the housing area. A big project we work on right now is down payment assistance. Um, and this is a really cool program. I'm excited about blowing this one up because it is uh, an average... Homeowners will save an average of $14,000 off the price of their home in down payment assistance. Um, and so it really, really helps people get more bang for their buck, helps them fit into houses that are better for their family, um, and especially in a tight market like this. We do mortgage credit certificates, which saves low-income families $50,000 over the over the price, over the the years of their mortgage. Um, so that's a really great program. We've done $7 million in small business gap financing for nonprofits and small businesses. Uh, they've been very involved during COVID recovery and supporting a lot of small businesses in that and just kind of giving out a lot of funding. So they've been very active, but like we said, there's only so much you can do you know, without a really dedicated staff. So I'm excited about building the capacity of this organization. Um, you know, I think you've talked about it on your show repeatedly. I mean, the major things, if we're looking out to Tucson's future 100 years from now, water you know, infrastructure, we're really, so really I kind of narrow it down to, um, you know, equity, sustainability, and innovation. Those are kind of really big investments that we want need to be thinking about and how we're going to sustainably and equitably build a community that works for everyone in, you know, in whatever happens in the, in the, in the coming decades. I love the 100-year vision. That's usually my starting point. Give me the five. What what are what's the five year? These are the two things that Dre Thompson is going to really focus on in terms of projects, initiatives, topics with the Tucson IDA. Yeah, I think an aspect that um, really needs to be built further is that community advocacy and that connection. So it, hap- it happens all the time. A developer or a community organization has an amazing idea. Oh, you know, this happens with Semillas. This was a beautiful park that we were going to build outside of Exo, you know, Exo Coffee. But they had no one to take it to, no one to say, here's this amazing idea. How, how do I get this done? And so I really want the Tucson IDA to be that that front door for if you have something that you're passionate about building, you want to see in your community, something that you've identified, you can come to us and we're going to work and find the partners to help facilitate really great projects. So I think creating a front door for people to get involved in building their communities um, is, is a really important aspect because we have so many talented people out there who are looking to invest in their in their community but aren't quite exactly sure how to do it. Um, another another thing that I'm really interested in is 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 so there's people that have ideas but there's also people that have funding in Tucson and are looking to invest in funding um, so there's other very innovative programs that folks are doing in other cities where where people are can actually invest in your community and help build that and it helps build your own wealth but it also helps build the assets of your community so there's very innovative programs that are happening out there within that space um, Arizona doesn't have any green banks and so there's a lot to be done in terms of building sustainable and green infrastructure for climate adaptability and resilience the main thing right now we're kind of playing catch with federal dollars there is so much infrastructure funding coming into into Arizona and there needs to be somebody who's keeping an eye on it and saying okay are you aware of this are you aware 
aware of that? Can we facilitate? So again, really being a very active hub of information, uh, being an active community communicator. Um, and so these are these are things that I really immediately want to get on the ground going is is really building that public face. I love it. You know, and I think there is a season of going after federal dollars. I think that season ends in eight or nine months. <laughs> um, you know, I think the political winds have shifted mm-hmm. and are mm-hmm. going to shift. And that doesn't matter as much as the local level. What it changes when the federal government is giving out money. Yeah. It depends on who's giving out the money and who wants to give out the money. My concern is that I've, I've always um, been frustrated that, that Tucson doesn't seem to have the gas in the tank to create its own wealth. Mm-hmm. And I think cities that understand how to home grow dollars are going to be successful no matter what. And we got to go after the federal dollars now. But if that's the only strategy, we're going to be in a world of hurt. And we're going to keep losing uh, to the other six metros in our community who have seen better recovery from COVID. This is what excites me about what you're doing is I think there's a real engine for home growing dollars to solve problems. And it's not a mindset that I think this community has had for a long time. That's just my opinion. No, I, I think that's really great. And and actually, the board has done, over the past few years, done a pretty good job of building our, our war chest. I mean, really, the, the, the Tucson IDA is kind of Tucson's war chest. It is self-generated funds that are not from tax bases um, that are used just to invest in really exciting projects. And obviously, I mean, the main thing, we need more we need more roofs. We need housing. Like, we just need more housing. And so that's obviously... Lots. But yes. <laughs> the hole is... <laughs> 20 feet deep right now. Yeah, and Insane. it's been really interesting kind of working with city council. Every single one of the members is is taking a very holistic view to what housing needs to get accomplished and this understanding that we have workforce housing, mm-hmm. we have affordable housing. There's just a lot of housing it's needs everything. and we just we just need to kind of build. So as we're building, making sure that we are um, you know, thinking about equity and sustainability in that so that we are having that long-term view. What you don't want is a rush to build homes that are not really going to be well suited for the future and are not really going to be a great investment for the families that live in them. Something that you made me think about as an example, there was a piece in the in the Arizona Republic last week that talked about how there were 30 apartment projects shelved, said yeah. no to in the Phoenix area to now a point, I know that I'm talking about housing, and, and I told you this before, where the only essential worker who could afford to buy a home in Phoenix last year was a nurse making $83,000 a year, and they could only buy an Avondale, Glendale, and Phoenix. Yeah. When you have a middle class that cannot afford housing because communities constantly say no, there is a what kind of housing that's important, but the supply is important too. And local yeah. municipalities have a yeah. hard time a saying yes. If you're a community organizer in housing, the most annoying phrase to you is it doesn't pencil out, right? Like that's the most irritating phrase because, hey, this housing needs to be built. We have the space. Like, please build affordable housing here. Well, it doesn't pencil out. There's a real frustration. But yeah. that is a real thing. Like you, 100%. No one would expect a store to just give away its it's it's produce or you know like there is well not no one but yesterday (laughs) yes yes i mean the idea is is that so we you have to find a way to make it work and that's really what the idea does the idea makes projects that wouldn't otherwise really pencil out makes them work so they can get done gap financing yes and a lot of the work um i'm very passionate about grassroots organizing making sure the community has a voice before you even hire the architect build all the plans you're double checking with the community is this what you want and are you going to support it so that we don't waste any money down the road 
with NIMBYism, you know. And so I think Tucson's ready and ripe for that with yes. organizations like YIMBY, Yes in My Backyard, um, and different coalitions that are really kind of coming together. But they need a person to interface with them, the developers and the, and the city. And, and we really hope to be that, that interface. Dre Thompson, I could do this for another hour. I hope this isn't our last conversation. Definitely not. Uh, uh, the the music is starting. I can hear it. Matt is about <laughs> to push the button. So let's push pause there. If people want to find out more about the IDA or find out more about you and get to know you, where can people do that? Dre at TucsonIDA.org, TucsonIDA.org. Um, those are kind of that you can look at our website, but just email me directly. I'd love to chat with you about kind of what we're working on. We just scratched the surface, uh, but I'm looking forward to future conversations. Tucson, you've been listening to Dre Thompson, CEO, the first and newly hired CEO of the Tucson IDA. That does it for our show today. Uh, when we come back tomorrow, uh, we're going to be with Supervisor Steve Christie on the Pima County Board of Supervisors. We'll also catch up with Pastor Jeff Loxton and Pastor Damon Holt. We'll talk about trauma in a variety of ways in the community and how the church is stepping up to meet those challenges. Tucson, thanks for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday. Hugh Hewitt up next, Bill Buckmaster at noon. Tucson, see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.